0: You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now,
1: your host, Charles Weaver. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another program of the MSP Zone. Today, we're talking about patching. No, not patching a quilt. Uh, We're talking about good old-fashioned IT patching. And today's going to be part um, best practices for those of you who may be uh, new to the managed services profession. You're maybe just a few years, maybe a few months into it, and you're wanting to figure out what uh, things you should be doing, what things are expected of you as a managed service provider. Well, patching is one of those things. And if you are a veteran, uh, stay tuned, keep listening, because we're going to be talking about some of the more cutting edge or or, or why patching is still important today, just as it was 20 years ago when, when some of you uh, may have been out there practicing managed services as a younger MSP. And, and, here we have a uh, another special guest uh, to break things down for us and to make the complex uh, easy or easier to understand. Uh, we're joined uh, by Shane Cooper from WebRoot, uh, an open text company. Shane, welcome to the MSP Zone.
0: Thanks, Charles. I appreciate appreciate the time. Looking forward to the chat.
1: Yeah, yeah, so am I. So, I look, I... I know this could take us into any number of areas, but I want to start off with an easy one. Well, two easy questions. First of all, um, why don't you just explain a little bit about what you guys at Webroot are up to these days and just an overview for those people out there in the audience who may not be familiar with WebRoot.
0: Sure. Perfect. No worries. Yeah, so WebRoot is, um, you know, it's a security agent. Uh, It's a platform. And uh, when I when I say security agent, I try to stay away from terms like antivirus virus and malware. The reality is those those are older terms. And while yeah, we we stop and block a lot of those things that still creep on machines. The reality is the bad guys have moved on to a lot of traditional methodology. So WebRoot has what we call, you know, a more modern uh, you know, uh, focus on how we look at endpoints and how we ensure that bad guys don't get on them. Um there's another term that kind of gets floated around I I kind of shy away from it as well but unfortunately it's out there it's called next gen um, and I like to like to say webroot's been next gen way before next gen was even cool you know we we started our current uh, technology direction uh, well over 15 years ago so you know we've been doing things like looking at zero day stuff looking at um, new binaries to get built looking at behavior analytics versus heuristics while we still have traditional Ways to determine, you know, if something on a machine is bad or, or nefarious or attempting to do something bad, we certainly have a lot more modern, more use, you know, current uh, techniques to see how the bad guys and stop the bad guys. So the reality is, what we think of it, Webboot is, we're here to stop the bad guys from getting on machines. Uh, we are an endpoint protection product. Uh, we're a full spectrum security product. We don't just look at AV or malware, antivirus and malware. We look at a whole host of things on a machine to ensure that, again, the bad guys haven't compromised it, haven't got on there and done you know, something either damaging or you're know, trying to take advantage of, of the endpoint. So that's really, I guess, the heart and soul of what WebRoot's all about. Obviously, we have a lot of technology wrapped around all that, that's certainly, to unpack that information, what I just said, certainly expands into lots of other areas. Um, but you know, that's kind of the heart and soul of what WebRoot's all about. Some of the newer things we're doing are we've just released some new shields. Uh, We call it uh, Evasion Shield. It's really focused on what we call living off the land. The bad guys are coming back around to looking at scripting, looking at how I can take advantage of what is already on a machine where I don't have to drop new technology or drop software on a machine. I want to take advantage of what's already existing and and basically exploit the capabilities there. And And then forthcoming is what we call Foreign Code Shield. So We're always evolving, always adding new shields. We call them new ways because we're looking at, you know, big data that we get from a lot of our existing customers and we realize what the bad guys are trying to do. And we look at the new techniques, the new ways, and then we try to address them, fill those gaps and focus on, you know, ensuring a safe environment for our customers.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I am uh, no doubt the bad guys are keeping you guys very busy these days and uh, appreciate everything you guys do over there at Webroot. Uh, I'll start off with an easy question, Shane. So uh, maybe, maybe not easy, but why do we patch? Why, why is patching still relevant today? You know,
0: that is a, the, 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 the core question that comes up all the time. And I get asked this all the time. And it's a great question. It's a perfect question. And it's, and it's both complex and easy. Uh, the easy answer is the the bad guys take advantage of exploits, and exploits are literally just gaps in code, gaps in you know a particular system's operating system, maybe subcomponents that were overlooked, or uh, some piece of information, or the way code is being handled on a machine. You know, it, it might have looked really good from a performance perspective, and the original you know team that put it all together. Uh, did the best they could, you know, they were looking at performance or looking at some other metric to try and make the device work really well and realize, Oh, and, or didn't realize, Oh, we left something, you know, open, we left it available, or the bad guys discovered some, you know, cool little trick to kind of sneak in there and, and act like, you know, a good piece of software, but in fact, you know, do bad things. Um, and so the, 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 the vendors all, Try to close those gaps, you know, there's no such thing as hundred percent perfection in software. It just it's it's an impossibility. We we try to achieve it, you know, Weber we tries to achieve it, but unfortunately just the complexity of coding, you know, can leave vulnerabilities of what we call exploits. So the bad guys continually take advantage of those. You know, the crypto lockers and the lockies and the Sotonokis and all those, you know, more modern things have all been available because of exploit kits. And that's really what the bad guys do. Is they, they build these exploit kits. Uh, they get them out on the dark web. They get them in however they exchange their their information, and those exploit kits are what then the bad guys take advantage of. And then they look for devices where those exploits are present, um, and also drive-by uh, situations. That's a biggie with uh, websites and and web servers and and or you know just general internet servers, where if they can find some kind of exploit, put something in there where a user unknowingly you know, stops by a website, everything looks fine, they got the information they wanted, but underneath the hood, some kind of drive-by piece came in through the browser, landed on the machine and started trying to do things. And these things happen because of unpatched systems or um, software that has a leak or a hole or whatever terminology you wanna use. And then ultimately those things then end up with what we call zero day threats. Those are the, the things that no one's ever seen before or it gets built specific to that device or that machine um, through some hashing mechanism or some complex you know methodology in the coding that is unique to that device and no security vendor has ever seen it before we have no history to refer to there's no hash note about it and so we have to look at the behavior and, and what it's trying to do from that aspect and or other aspects so Anytime we can stop those before forcing the poor security agent to have to to review it or take a look at it, the better off we are. And patching is probably the key to minimize or to almost eliminate those kind of situations.
1: So it's it's not, as I'm listening to you, it's not... We, we patch not just because there's a new feature, right? There's a new element that the software uh, vendor has uh, written and is now deploying y- your, your approach seems like it's, it's, it could be that, but it's also th- th- there are just exploits and, and always uh, swarms of enemies trying to circumvent what is out there already. So it's, it's almost two, two different rationales for patching. If I'm, if I'm understanding you, right.
0: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Th- those are, you know that the, the good reason we want to patch is for what you just said features and new, new functionality, uh, performance gains, all the all the good things those are the good reasons to patch. And unfortunately we then have to look at the flip side of that coin and say, well what is the you know the bad reasons and unfortunately those of us who fight the bad guys every day have to think about the bad stuff so we can you know keep you safe and protected and that that is these hey they you know left something open. Uh, there's a whole concept of what's called Atom tables that are underneath the hood of, of a Microsoft operating system. And these are things that most normal users, just you, me, and the regular daily driver driving their Windows device or Mac device or whatever their favorite operating system is. We're not necessarily always privy to that. So we just see the pretty pictures. We click on the things and it does the cool stuff we want it to do. and We're all happy. But under the hood sometimes. Those things are doing really fast, cool things. But unfortunately some kind of opening uh, is is exposed and the bad guys try to take advantage of it and we've we've heard about it in the news where you know there's there's things that sneak in and that's where these these things come from is is some kind of hole or some kind of gap in the code and so we unfortunately have to look at we have to take the good with the bad
1: yeah. So I, I, I know I've read this someplace. Uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to, to confirm this, but I, I, <laughs> I seem to recall one of the security, maybe it was the FBI, the infraguard, but, but someone came out and said something and, and it was it was never refuted. I assumed it's true. I shouldn't. I, I, I believe it to be true just based on logic and common sense. but a, a disproportionate a high majority of the percentages of ta- of successful attacks, so breaches. Occur in a in a non-patched uh, or a known vulnerability, right? There's a patch available for it, but the thing was not the the system, the application was not patched. It, it seems so easy. If that's true, that why aren't we patching? What's what are we doing wrong in patching, Shane?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't think of the exact um, you know report or or reference that you're talking about, but I have seen them on and off over the years. And to be frank, you're, you're correct. I mean, that is generally the uh, vulnerability. I mean, it's pretty, pretty unlikely that, you know, a bad guy is going to just magically put something on that's not taking advantage of something that is not broken. Right. Um, if everything is, you know, perfect world and everything's all totally up to speed and there are no gaps in any of the code, then the bad guys would have no way to really, you know, get in. Now, that said, humans are still somewhat of the, of the last bastion to be patched. I mean, but unfortunately we're not going away. So we have to then address it through knowledge and education, which is a whole nother conversation. But to your point, uh, that is correct. Even even if a human being clicked on something in an email, nine probably nine times out of 10, that vulnerability or that piece of software that is trying to do something nefarious is in fact probably taking advantage of an exploit or a piece of code, or hoping to take advantage of something on a machine that you know is unpatched or uh, uncorrected or unfixed or not not corrected or or not you know addressed.
1: It was preventable, in other words.
0: Typically, yes, I would say ninety to ninety-five percent of all the things that we see um, in our in our data gathering is was preventable, and in, in either human error or just lack of keeping things up to date.
1: So, here's the million, probably the billion-dollar question: Why aren't we? We're, we're obviously doing something I don't want to say wrong but I mean is it the pace at which patches are getting out there get, being authored and then takes time to to test and then deploy there, there, something's missing I mean because it's not like we're just saying hey go out go go out into the world and and uh, take your chances um
0: yeah you hit the nail on the head I mean the, the, the challenge is the sheer volume? And the time and effort to, um, to test ahead of time, because well, we can sit here Cavalierly and say, hey, patch everything, keep everything up to date. Just click that update button instantaneously. Um, maybe on your little home PC or your computer that the kids are using, that isn't you know some line of business situation, that's fine. But you get into more complex, you know, uh, you know where variables, many, many, many variables, all play together you update one thing and it breaks something else, you have to be very cognizant of that. And what we call what that really gets around to is, is what, you and I've talked to in the past is, is really about change management. It's really changing. I mean, patching and updating is part of the change process. It's not just, Hey, let me put this cool new thing on and let everybody know where we're installing this new piece of software. It's also, Hey, we're also updating the software and, um, it, it, and a lot of the software that we're talking about is the underlying architecture of the operating system, the scripting language. Um, JavaScript is a very big one. Some companies use a lot of Silverlight. Um, browser technology is always, you know, being used, and a lot of technologies moving towards browser-based applications. And you know, those things are constantly having to be updated. But if a customer is dependent on that to perform their daily function, and you or i or whoever's responsible updates the browser and it breaks their daily need then we've got a problem. So and that's what that's probably what causes some to delay and or um, not patch at all. So I'm just like oh, I'll just do it quarterly or monthly. I'm not going to do it on a regular cadence. And unfortunately I think that's really, you know, kind of a, a bad approach. And so I think we really should be you know you as MSPs or and those of us who are in the technology world should be looking at a good solid, you know, patch program. And as customers come on board with new software, that should be one of the top of mind things to introduce is, okay, how often what's the cadence of this software vendors patching? Are they coming out on a quarterly basis, daily basis, weekly, you know, what is their cadence? So you can then get that into your patch cycle so you can then control it. So you're not just willy nilly, Oh my gosh, you know, knee jerk reaction is this thing's got a big problem. We better patch, patch, patch and break, break, break. Um, and so that's the challenge. I mean, that is the, the balancing act that, that the MSPs have to, um, you know, kind of control every day.
1: Yeah. I I know if this was the live show, we'd probably have MSPs by the thousands calling in (laughs) irate (laughs) saying, wait a minute, Charles and Shane, you know, wait, it's not as easy as you say it is. And, And I think you, you brought up some good points there, Shane. So so it really is a balancing act between the the knowledge that it needs to be patched, it needs to be fixed. At least talking about security, but also the knowledge that it could break things, right? I mean, it's not like it's just a uh well, maybe maybe it's like the vaccinations, right, for the for the COVID, right? It's it's not like it's just a take a shot and go on your way. It's a take a shot, don't have an adverse reaction that puts you into the hospital you know it, it it's it's more complex i guess correct
0: it is it is it it and it kind of depends i mean we're kind of talking in generalities but it does kind of depend on you know what we're talking about i would think i would think that an operating system and patching that is a little bit more like what you were saying about the vi- a vaccine that's kind of a a nice metaphor there you know that's a core underlying thing that we all have to rely on every day whereas your 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 scripting and or your line of business applications, your custom software, those are the, those kind of things, you know, probably don't have nearly as bit of a breakage concern. Uh, whereas your underlying operating system, yeah, if you, you break that, then the whole thing doesn't work. So you've got to, you kind of have to treat each one with a little bit different priority. Um, I, I do believe that the operating system is probably the biggest um, area of concern and probably should be the highest priority. But unfortunately, it probably affected the most you know, uh, far further reaching, you know, when it gets into all the different sub apps or, or the environment or the whole situation, the customer's trying to deal with.
1: Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Shane, on p- patching by schedule versus kind of a more impromptu mode of patching? Uh, is it an either, or, or is it, is it a both? What, what, what guidance would you give to, to MSPs today?
0: So really it is a combination of both. And again, that's that happy balance. Um, I think, I think that MSPs should get on a standard cadence and that cadence can be whatever they're comfortable with. Maybe that's a monthly cadence that they approach all their patch, you know, control points. Maybe it's quarterly for, you know, certain applications and it might, they might have to step back and be weekly or or monthly based upon the type of application. So what it really speaks to is process and procedure and, defining that within your organization. You know, there's a, a lot of MSPs are becoming, you know, really, I hate to say over-organized, but I think that's a good thing. Um, I've been on several different um, groups where I'm talking to CEOs who are really trying to, or CIOs who are also trying to understand ramifications of security uh, from a process perspective to a, a governance, uh, to documentation. And I think patch, patching should be falling right in line with all that. Whereas you have your procedures down, um, you can s- confidently tell your customer, "Look, we've got this as part of our uh, procedures, and and this is what we do from a schedule perspective." Now, we also understand there's emergency and, and hot fixes and things of that nature. I, I see that as something different than patching per se. Patching is that scheduled. You know, we know. You know, Webroot, for an example, uh, just as an example, um, we try to release our agent. Um, Every quarter, we really don't do a whole lot of, we used to be a little bit more frequent on our releases, but now we pretty much release our big, you know, our agent releases every quarter. Between those releases, we do minor hot fixes if something unusual cropped up. And usually those aren't so much, you know, security concerns, those are more, um, you know, hey, we're affecting the network or we're impacting uh, the, the Active Directory login structure. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just talk, trying to talk about this is just the reality yeah. of the world. And so, you know, we, we just like everybody else, we have to put out hot, hot fixes. So I would say hot fixes and things of that nature are not necessarily your core patching. And then you have to have somebody that's really probably defined as your patch manager. Um, even if it's a part time job, I think that the MSP should have a patch management team, a patch management process. And a, and a good solid schedule, you know, whatever cadence works for you, uh, depending on, you know, how many customers you have, how big your, your endpoint count is, I mean, all those things are going to come into play as to how frequently you can do it. Um, there's a lot, you know, and, 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 you know, not to put it off on someone else, but a lot of the RMM tools have patch technology or patch capabilities. So definitely get your arms wrapped around those and, and support them. Um, and, and they're going to, they're going to take you a long way.
1: It, it seems like there's just, it's part of this is uh, you, you, you hit on something that I, I, I resonated with me, which is just having a process, having someone, at least someone in the organization, in your MSP practice designated or responsible for implementing a patch uh, process or uh, delivery. By the way, we're talking internal to your MSP practice and to your customers, right? MSPs, you All cannot right. do away with getting patched internally. You got to do right, it yourself. Right. Yep. Um, Got
0: to drink your and champagne first and, yeah. and make
1: sure your customers are safe <laughs> exactly. after that. Uh, so Shane, I, I, you, you talked about, I'm just listening to and thinking about the complexity of the number of objects that need to be patched or can be patched. It, it, it seems like we, we need to start with a good inventory, like a good onboarding process in a, in a, in a device management or object management um, regimen to understand what is on the network what is being managed what is what, what is interacting with data or with other sensitive areas of access and then having that that person or that program deploy the patches I mean that that really is a a, a monumental job
0: it is but you know fortunately and again I know we're kind of moving away from web root technology I mean that's fine I'm, I'm you know, my background is, when i was um, responsible for this at my respective previous companies um, believe believe it or not i didn't i didn't start with webroot as my beginning you know in my career so uh, back in the day i i'm a former admin i'm a former assistant uh, administrator for both uh, enterprise companies and and msp so i've lived the life of an msp and the technician and the support team for that so that said the reality is we have to rely on the technologies that are out there and available to us. And I'll keep referring back to the RMM, the remote management and monitoring tools. They are designed to help minimize the overall complexity. Um, I would you know, definitely, and I'm sure we're talking to those from a seasoned all the way to the newer, younger MSPs, they are all gonna be adopting some kind of RMM technology. And those RMM technologies provide that information. They give that visibility, they crawl all the devices, they pull the inventories. Of the endpoints, point, end and especially on an onboarding situation where you get got a new customer, that new customer comes in, that's the first, first thing you're going to do is inventory their 10, 15, 20, or 100 machines, depending on how sizable the customer is, get an inventory, get a sense of what it looks like today, and then depending on the size and scope, you know, then it's going to be come back to the customer and recommend, you know, we we patch an update you know, these systems, you know, in a, in a timely fashion, or they discover, hey, everything's pretty much up to date. It's just a matter of us keeping it, you know, keeping it on the straight and the narrow. So, um, you know, the reality is the tools that are out there are designed to help, you know, solidify that. And speaking to that, I mean, the reality is actually WebRoot does have something on the roadmap in the next couple of years that is going to be looking at specifically, exploit opportunity options. So where we talk about patching, which is just like, okay, let me look at the, the latest Microsoft K- KB or the, you know, the fall or spring creator updates or whatever that looks like from a Microsoft perspective. Sometimes you also miss the other components. And so we're actually going to be building a um, exploit, you know, awareness, if you will. I don't really have the terminology of what we're going to call it yet. Um, I just happen to get, be uh, uh, you know in on some of the early conversations because we do want to be able to uncover that we're not going to go magically fix it all we're not going to become the patch manager but the intent would be is to basically in you know uh, along with the tools that we're talking about to help augment that that patch uh, process because you might you might get an inventory back and say okay there's a thousand things I need to update what you really need now is a comparison that says okay of those thousand things what are the most you know from a prioritization i need to prioritize those
1: what's vulnerable yeah. like what's, yeah, what's what's bad vulnerable. Yeah. so
0: where we're kind of looking to do is provide that vulnerability list where like we say well here's 150 things that we recognize in that same environment that are you know potentially exploitable that would then be the top of your priority list of the 1000 right let me go get those 150 done and then we can kind of back into some of the others that are not as you know problematic
1: it certainly make the t- the msp's time smarter right they would spend Absolutely. their time in a more intelligent way patching priorities items uh in, in a in a in a descending order i i think i know the the answer to this question but i'm going to ask you anyway shane you know in 2000 patching was relevant and today patching is just as relevant uh, it may not be sexy it may not be something that's you know looked at as high tech but it's 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 part of the fundamentals is patching ever going to go away? Are we ever going to get to a point where, you know, like uh, like the Terminator, right? The the, the system get, becomes self-aware and the, it can patch itself. Uh, is that ever going to happen?
0: You know, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm going to take a hard line and say no. I, I think the reality is I, I had a, a, a senior boss or senior director at one point kind of tell me something once. And he was in overdevelopment. He goes, look, at the end of the day human beings are still responsible for creating all the tools. We might use artificial intelligence or machine learning to help us augment that. Now, you know, as, as soon as I say that, <laughs> tomorrow, uh, SkyNet will take Skynet over goes and up, yeah. <laughs> it changes all that. But uh, but I mean, I you know, WebRoot takes advantage of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I can tell you they're not, they haven't taken over us. We still need humans. And, and unfortunately we are, you know, we're fallible. Um, Total sidebar here is that I'm building a brand new house, and it's actually the third house I've built. And one two houses ago, I sat with the supervisor, and he says, look, don't forget, we're, th- we don't build a perfect house. It's a beautiful house when we're done, but human beings still come in here with hammers and nails and build a house. We don't have magic robots, and we don't see that happening. So I think the same applies with software development. Human beings still sit down and write thousands of lines of code, click and connect the dots, and there's just no physical way to ever be 100% p- perfect and pure. It's just, it's, an, it's a goal to achieve or try to, try to achieve, but I just don't. I, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been involved in the software industry for so long. I just have never seen it. It's gotten a lot better at, for sure. But I really think patching will be relevant yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
1: Well, I, I I say that it's probably good uh, job security for MSPs out there to, to hear you say that because it, yeah. if if it's such, you know, I want to say it's easy. I mean, it, it it's uh it's not easy work, but it's it's doable work for for the vast majority of MSPs. And if if you do it right, and you can scale it, and you can make it easier for you to do, it has huge dividends in terms of security and. Just peace of mind of of knowing that the the customers and your your MSP practice are are safer. So I, I I agree, Shane. I I think you're right. It's going to continue to be just as important as it was 20 years ago.
0: Absolutely. I, I will tell you. Um, I interact with you know hundreds of MSPs every month. Um, I will tell you the the most successful MSPs have um, controlled, managed, scheduled patching, and they are they've been in business for years and they're growing their business and they're gonna be in business for years to come. Uh, they've been long-term partners and customers of mine. Some of them are my good friends. And I can tell you, this is probably one of their core fundamental uh, success, success success value propositions is um, is patch management, software updates. And and to, to your point, it's self-serving to some degree. If I, as an MSP, can ensure that the, the machines that I manage, are on solid ground, good footings, you know, good quality position, software operating system, et cetera, et cetera, then I can sleep at night knowing that, you know, those devices that I'm managing are also then, you know, in a good position for my customer and everybody wins, everybody happy, and we keep the bad guys at bay. And that's uh, that's a win-win for everyone.
1: Well said. Well, there you there you have it, folks. Uh, Shane Cooper from WebRoot, an open text company talking about patching. Um, go check them out. Uh, web, WebRoot.com, correct, is your domain? Yep. 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 That's it. Um, yeah. I know a lot of a lot of MSP Alliance members use WebRoot, uh, have been using WebRoot for many, many years. So if you are not familiar with them, go check them out. Uh, if you want to talk to Shane, I'm sure he'd be uh, happy to talk to you about patching and, and, uh, and all that. But start off 2021 right. Have a a person dedicated to this or uh, responsible for it. Develop a plan, implement it, stay true to it, and you'll do yourself and your customers a big favor. Shane, thank you very much for coming on to the MSP Zone.
0: No worries. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate you having me on.
1: This is Charles Weaver with MSP Zone. Until next time.